0: A psalm is a prayer or poem put to music as a spiritual song or hymn. The sacred collection of psalms in the Old Testament is God's playlist of greatest hits. The first hymnal or songbook the early church ever used was the book of Psalms. No book in the Bible is more beloved than Psalms. When read with both the head and heart, Psalms helps us connect with the passion of God and our own human emotions. For example, when you do not know how to pray or express yourself to God, reach for a fitting psalm and pray it back to the Lord. Psalms is truly a rest stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible and a place to fuel up your soul. I'm Ron Jones and this is Something Good.
1: Do you need to recharge your spiritual battery today? Do you need wisdom that can only come from an intimate relationship with God? If so, I invite you to join Dr. Ron Jones right now on this Wednesday edition of Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis and wherever you are and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Coming your way next, Ron takes us to the book of Psalms, the second of the five Old Testament wisdom books. And along the way, he'll offer four key reasons Why reading the Psalms can be so beneficial. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Psalms, Ancient Songs That Shape the Heart.
0: Another category of psalms is known as uh, the imprecatory psalms. That's kind of a technical term you learn in seminary. But these are the psalms that raise more than a little bit of concern. You might have an eyebrow or two that goes up when you read them because these are the sacred lyrics that invoke judgment and call down curses upon your enemies, which in the context you understand to be God's enemies, as well. And and they raise a little bit of concern. Perhaps it's best to just let one of them fly off the page a little bit so you get a a sense of what I'm talking about here by an imprecatory psalm. For example, Psalm chapter 140 beginning in verse 8. David's venting here. And he says, Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plot or they will be exalted. As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Let not the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent man speedily. Whew, that'll part your hair down the middle. I mean, are we even allowed to talk to God this way? Is this even appropriate? Is is David venting and and giving voice to his desire for vengeance upon his enemies? That's a good question, a fair question. Some people think that they shouldn't even be considered prayers. You can't talk to God that way. Hold your judgment there. Let's go to another one, Psalm chapter 35, another imprecatory psalm. Beginning in verse 1, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Again, I mean, come on, David, dial it back a little bit. No, no. David won't. Consider that David is calling upon God to fight his battles for him. That's what David's doing. Knowing that this is the only way for David to cast aside petty vengeance that might otherwise arise in his heart. He's saying, Lord, take care of my enemies. Take care of the evildoers against me because my enemies are your enemies. And if you don't fight my battles for me, then I might do something that, you know, I shouldn't do. Elsewhere, these imprecatory psalms give voice to a hatred for evil as much as God abhors it. We have a little saying in the church, you know, love the sinner but hate the sin. But do we really hate the sin as much as God hates it? Do we really have a perspective on evil the way a holy, pure, righteous God whose eyes cannot behold evil, the Bible says? Do we really understand that? No, we don't. We don't. And so these imprecatory psalms, though disturbing, they model for us a right disposition toward wickedness and invite us to see the world as God sees it. There's another category I I, I need to hasten to talk about um, in this beautiful book of Psalms. And this is a group of of ancient songs that the the Jewish pilgrims used to sing as they would travel to the holy city of Jerusalem for one of the many festivals they were celebrating, like the Passover festival or the Feast of Tabernacles. There were many, many uh, religious festivals on the Jewish calendar in ancient times and even today. And as they would travel to Jerusalem, they would sing what are known as the Songs of Ascent. And these aren't scattered throughout the Psalter. Rather, uh, they're found in Psalm chapter 120 through 134, the Psalms of Ascent. They get their name from uh, the elevation one must climb as you come to the holy city of Jerusalem because Jerusalem sits atop uh, a number of hills at about 2,500 uh, feet above sea level. When we go on our Israel tours, uh, we, we don't walk to Jerusalem as they did in ancient times. We, we travel on buses, and, 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 but you can feel you know, the ascent as you, as you travel up to Jerusalem. And so they're known as the Psalms of Ascent and these 15 hymns encourage spiritual travelers to climb higher toward God. And they do so through a variety of themes relating to worship and perseverance and joy and family devotion, community and hope. Uh, the Songs of Ascent are just wonderful to read. I encourage you to, to read Psalm 120 through 134. And just just picture in your mind these spiritual travelers who are climbing higher and higher toward God. And then there's one more category I want to talk about, and I've saved the best for last. One out of every six psalms, out of 150 of them, are messianic psalms. They point us to the Christ who is to come. And I find great fascination with this part of the book of psalms and I've been getting some feedback from our church family, and especially from my own life group, who says one of the things that they love about our ultimate road trip through the Bible are the Christ connections that we're making. We've, we've been talking about how this book called the Bible is God's story. It's one story. There's one main character. In the Old Testament, it is looking forward to the Christ, the anointed one who is to come. From a New Testament perspective, we're looking back 2,000 years on the Christ who came So Jesus Christ is is the main character. He's in every book of the Bible through prophetic foreshadowings and otherwise. In the book of Psalms, it's easy to make the Christ connection through the Messianic Psalms. And because these Psalms were written centuries before the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, they give strong support to divine inspiration. Let me give you a few examples. And and I I have to be brief because there are so many of them. But, for example, in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7, it predicts that God will declare Messiah to be his beloved son. It was fulfilled in Matthew 3 and verse 17 when Jesus came up out of the baptism waters. And the voice of God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Psalms also predicts that uh, God will forsake Christ in his darkest hour. Psalm 22 and verse one, and Matthew 27 and verse 46 fulfills that when Jesus hanging on the cross reached for the Psalms and quoted this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In uh, 22 and verse 16, Messiah's enemies will pierce his hands and feet fulfilled in John 20. They will falsely accuse him, according to Psalm 35 and verse 11, fulfilled in in Mark chapter 14 and verse 57. They will scorn and mock him, again chapter 22, verse seven and eight, fulfilled in Luke chapter 23. They will gamble for his garments, spoken of in Psalm 22 and verse 18, fulfilled in Matthew 27 and verse 35. Christ will be hated without a cause, uh, says uh, Psalm 35 and verse 19, fulfilled in John 15 and verse 25, and betrayed by his closest friend. Remember Judas? <laughs> Prophesied centuries earlier in Psalm chapter 41 and verse 9, fulfilled in Luke 22 and verse 47. And Judas's office will be fulfilled by another according to Psalm 109 and verse 8, and fulfilled in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 20. And I'm not done yet. Psalms also affirms that Messiah will rise from the dead. Psalm 16 and verse 10. And go with me to Acts chapter one and two on the day of Pentecost when Peter's preaching his first sermon, he quotes from the Psalms, starting with Psalm 10. Actually, starting with Psalm 16, where he quotes four verses before he gets to Psalm chapter 110, and through it all affirms that the Scriptures speak, quote, about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And from the Psalms, the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost says, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. He uses the Psalms to explain on the day of Pentecost what was happening. And from Psalms, Peter also affirms that God, quote, has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The New Testament quotes and alludes to Psalm 110 more than any other. And that Psalm affirms the ascension and the coronation of Jesus Christ who is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And even Jesus quoted Psalm 110, that that Psalm that I just uh, read, during a rather prickly moment with the Pharisees when he he asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? (laughs) And from Psalm 110, you would think it was David they were talking about. But oh no, it was the Christ who was standing right in front of the Pharisees and they missed it. They blundered the question and stumbled all over it the Messianic Psalms. Still ahead, the second
1: half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, the pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you've never visited our website, I encourage you to do so today. We have a great streaming platform for the media ministry of Something Good. And you'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to some of your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now let's get back to the rest of today's Something Good radio message. Psalms, ancient songs that shape the heart. And once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones.
0: And I hope you're getting some understanding that... uh The Psalms contain this endless supply of spiritual gold to mine, which is why you just gotta read the book for yourself. We can talk all day about the Psalms, but you gotta read it for yourself, so here's your homework next week. Read five Psalms a day. This is actually what Billy Graham said he he practiced in his own spiritual discipline. He read five Psalms and one proverb a day and other portions of scripture too, but, but he never missed five psalms and one proverb. And if you read five psalms a day, as one little boy told me after the earlier service, five psalms a day keeps the devil away. Well, yeah, probably so. <laughs> I, I, I love the way he, he took, took the message, you know. But five psalms a day, and you'll read through the entire book of psalms in 30 days, all 150 of them. And experts tell us that it takes about 30 days to change anything within us, right? So you're going to have to take this today and do something with it. Take the homework challenge, read five psalms a day. Next week, we're going to add that one chapter from the book of Proverbs, because it's only 31 chapters. So five psalms and a chapter from the book of Proverbs, and you, you will saturate your mind and your heart in 30 days with a treasury of God's wisdom. Why read the Psalms? Let me give you four good reasons just by way of summary. Number one, you will discover a way to express your most heartfelt emotions. For some of you, that's real easy. You know, you're you're, you're a bottle of emotions and everybody knows that. But you may be married to somebody who has a hard time expressing his or her emotions and you're you're in a difficult time right now and, and you don't know how to express yourself to God, the Psalms will help you do that and give permission to expression that you thought wouldn't be appropriate in the presence of God. Secondly, you'll enjoy a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I get this idea from Ephesians chapter five, verses 18 and 19 which suggests to us that one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that it just oozes from us as an evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. That would be a wonderful thing to explore. Number three, you'll find yourself in the psalms. Not just that emotion that you're finding difficulty to express, but the life experience Oftentimes, the psalms have a historical prescription to them at the beginning that give you some indication of maybe where David or uh, Asaph or, or one of the others, uh, uh, something they were dealing with. Sometimes it refers to that, those moments when Saul, King Saul, was dogging David. And it was during those hard moments, perhaps in the, in the uh, caves near En Gedi, where he, he penned a psalm, almost like a journal you find yourself in the Psalms. Uh, these are songs, lyrics, and poems, but it's, it's almost like David's spiritual journal. And, and every life experience you, you can almost find. I remember years ago when I was going through a very, very difficult time in my ministry, there were, there were a particular uh, group of Psalms, three or four of them, where <laughs> boy, I lived there for quite some time, because it seemed like David had been going through the same kind of experience. Different time, different place, different people but but it, it gave me a place to find expression during that time. And then finally, you'll find Christ in the Psalms. Uh, I, I just, I, I can't even begin to express how wonderful these Psalms are just from that Christ connection, those Messianic Psalms. Uh, maybe you've had a hard time meeting this Jesus is spoken of in the Gospels. Uh, you know, he's a historical figure. No, he's a real historical figure. <laughs> goes all the way back to the Psalms and even back to Genesis and before Genesis. He's the eternal God. And in every book of the Bible, it's about Christ, the anointed one, and especially in the Psalms. There he was hanging on the cross, suffering the penalty for your sin and my sin. And one of the seven things he said from the cross, one of them came directly from the Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're dealing with loneliness, betrayal, whatever it might be. It is not cliche to say Jesus knows. No, he does. He's experienced it. He's suffering in an untold way. he knows. And he's known (laughs) since before the foundation of the world because thy word is eternal, thy word is truth. So, So read the book of Psalms. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect a single day, a single opportunity to saturate your heart and your mind with God's wisdom. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how many advanced degrees you have. Wisdom has nothing to do with education. That just means you're educated. You got, you got through something. And, and three cheers for you. I have degrees too. Wisdom is the ability to take God's truth and put it into practice. It's the skill required to put knowledge, even the knowledge of God, into practice everyday life. Why read five psalms and one proverb every day? Because the psalms help you relate vertically to God. The proverbs help us navigate everyday life in a horizontal kind of way. And you're going to need that wisdom as much as I do in the days to come, the weeks to come, the months to come, the years to come. And you need to store up the treasury of the Psalms, the treasury of God's wisdom in your heart. Commit them to memory. Have it so deeply in your heart that when when that, that emotion comes or that life circumstance comes, the Holy Spirit is able to scan what's in your heart and in your mind and bring you back to the Psalms and bring comfort, bring that soul care that you need right at the right moment. Something is shaping your heart today. Is it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 24-hour news? That's all you're digesting into your heart and mind. That's shaping your heart. Let these ancient songs shape your heart in a Godward direction, that's what they're there for.
1: Thanks for stopping by for today's Something Good radio message. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now in studio. Ron, many of the Psalms revolve around the idea of praising God. I think many of us would freely admit that we don't praise Him enough. We make requests. We talk to Him about our problems and our struggles. But genuine praise, we may fall short in that department. Let's talk for a few minutes about why praising God is so
0: important. Brian, what if praising God was not our gift to him, but his gift to us? We may not think of it that way, but I believe it's true. Praise is God's gift to us, not the other way around. Now, don't misunderstand me. God is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. There's no question about that. We should praise him for the good things he has done. Gratitude and thanksgiving are forms of praise. Uh, We should praise God for the bad times He allows because when handled the right way, those challenges produce perseverance and spiritual growth. But most importantly, we should praise God for who He is. He's worthy of it, Brian. He is worthy of all praise. But He doesn't need it. We're the ones who need it. God asks us to praise Him for our own good, not His own He has no gaps in his being that only our praise can fill. He he is self-sustaining. He needs nothing at all from anyone. We're the ones who need him and need to praise him, Brian. We need to praise him, and, and one of his gifts to us is that he allows us the privilege of doing so. Now, let me quickly highlight just a few benefits of praising God. For example, when we praise God, we grow closer to him. Our relationship with him grows more intimate. Our faith grows more effective. Praising God renews our strength. It brings victory over our enemies, namely the world, the flesh, and the devil. Praising God even repels depression because it increases our joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Brian, the benefits to praising God are endless, and that is why I encourage our listeners to think of praising God not as our gift to him, but as his gift to us. That's Dr. Ron Jones
1: with some great final thoughts on the benefits of praising God. Now, today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. And as you may have heard, Ron has written two companion guides, a pair of beautifully designed volumes that cover both the Old and New Testaments and all eight road trips that he's taking you on right now here on Something Good Radio. When you give your gift of $50 or more to support the media ministry of Something Good, Ron will gladly send you both volumes. That's Volumes 1 and 2 of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099. Or you can mail your gift, P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Two, three, four, five, six. Ron, tomorrow you move ahead in your series, Route sixty-six, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. So tell us a little bit about that message as we wrap up today's something good radio broadcast.
0: Brian, our next stop is the book of Proverbs, and what it is at the end of the day is counsel from heaven for conduct on earth. Let me say that again: Proverbs is counsel from heaven for conduct on earth. Um, Now, we can find counsel in plenty of places like therapists and friends and social media and on down the line, but we need to be careful because genuine wisdom is in short supply. Other sources can certainly be of help, uh, no doubt about that, but we can be certain that the Proverbs are divinely inspired, God-ordained truth for everyday life. Uh, That's where I'm headed next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible join us then for
1: something good when dr ron jones shares his message proverbs wise sayings for everyday life for ron and the entire team here at something good radio i'm brian davis thanks for listening